0: Hi everybody. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Friday, uh, January the nineteenth. One of the things that uh, we're going to be doing this year is to be taking a look at uh, some of our some of our friends and 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 talking with them about the political situation. Some of the people who have uh, have done podcasts with us in the past and look at them and and look at their situation and look at uh, at what they think about uh, the the political situation in 2024. And tonight we're going to be chatting with our friend Jorge Ponce, who is a Cuban-American friend as well as an author and someone who's had a lot of political commentary over the years. Before I do, though, I want to tell you that I have a post over at the American Thinker today. You can check it out at the, at the website American Thinker, where I'm writing about uh, President uh, Javier Millet and his uh, speech over at Davos, and that was an amazing situation. That was an amazing presentation where he, finally, we have someone from the West who's standing up for the West and who's standing up for capitalism and private sector values, and that's so important when you see uh, his story of Argentina. And as I mentioned uh, in my article, that when he went back, when President Millet went back and was speaking about what socialism and collectivism has done to Argentina. I was reminded, I was reminded of Cuba and the country where we came from that was devastated by socialism and collectivism. So let me say hello to my good friend Jorge Ponce. Jorge, I hope it's a little warmer where you are. I think it is. Hello, Silvio. Uh happy new year and Thank you. thanks for having me on
1: your uh, program. Uh, it is a bit chilly here in the tampa bay area consider is it 30 is it 30 degrees it's not 30 degrees Okay, okay. <laughs> and it's nothing like the uh
0: temperatures that they had in iowa right, right. <laughs> no i those temperatures in iowa reminded me when i saw those photos and those videos of iowa and people struggling to get to vote, it, it really reminded me of our early years in Wisconsin. I'll tell you that right now. When when I saw all that snow and I said, oh, my gosh, this is just like Wisconsin where we spent uh, many of our early years of el exilio in, in the United States uh, many years ago. Well, um, Jorge... I mentioned, uh, before we get to to your presentation and what you have to say, I mentioned in my introduction about President Millet of Argentina going to Davos and giving an amazing speech about the values of the West, capitalism, free market. uh, uh, And I said that it reminded me of of Cuba in the sense of Cuba was destroyed by socialism and collectivism. And uh, did you watch the speech or hear about the speech, Jorge? Yes, I did. Uh, I was
1: very, very touched by the speech that President of Argentina, Millet, gave uh, to the World Economic Forum in Davos, uh, Switzerland, where he gave a warning to Europe and the West that uh, they needed to get their act together and leave aside All these socialist policies uh, like open borders uh, that were imperiling,
0: putting in danger the, uh, the stability of their countries. Right. Now, one of the things that touched me, and maybe it's because we're Cubans and we came here with our parents many years ago, One of the things that touched me is that when he went back and and started telling the story of Argentina and how Argentina was once a prosperous country and was completely devastated uh, by socialism, that really got to me because it really reminded me of many conversations, Jorge, that I had with my late father uh, about the story of Cuba, Jorge. Well, Silvio, the
1: story of Every country where socialism has been uh, the the norm is a story that it's been repeated through the ages. Socialism destroys the fabric, the prosperity of those countries. I go back to Margaret Thatcher's uh, quote that, socialism is a great system until you run out of people's money.
0: (laughs) That's right. Uh, That's exactly right. The lady was exactly right in how she described it. Well, I would recommend to everybody, particularly our friends who love freedom, I would recommend to everybody to, you can actually watch the whole speech. Uh, They have it on the internet. You can watch it in, in Spanish or you can watch it or th- th- there's an English translation as well of the speech. There's also a written uh, script of the speech. I have a friend in Argentina who sent me that. And it's a valuable thing. I mean, you know, politicians give a lot of speeches, but not many politicians give a speech like this that we need to put in a special file for reference, Jorge.
1: I agree. And it's available. Uh, I listened to it uh on youtube so if go to youtube listen to it or i did not know silvio that you could also get the transcript so i'll look for that as well
0: yeah i i got it from a friend in argentina uh who's just sent it to me i I don't know if it's available everywhere but uh, a friend in argentina sent me that i assume it's available on the internet uh Obviously it was available in Argentina since he's the president there, but, uh, I'll, uh, I'll, if you cannot find it, let me know. And I'll try to figure out a way of giving you the, the copy that I got from, uh, from my friend in, in Argentina. Well, Jorge, before we talk about politics, I said in my introduction that one of the things we're going to be doing this year is having these kinds of political discussions with friends and people like you who follow politics. Uh, and, uh, we're going to have in these discussions about the upcoming presidential election here, but before I do, you recently wrote a book and, uh, the, the book is about your political uh, transformation, as you call it. So tell me a little bit about your book and why you wrote it and, and maybe give the readers, uh, some information so that they can get the book, Jorge. Okay. Here's the, uh, here's a book. You can see the, uh,
1: the blending of the, uh, the Cuban and the American flag on the cover. The name of the book is Examining the Past to Understand the Present. And the subtitle is uh, The Journey of a Cuban-American Refugee and What Led to His Conversion from a Democrat to a Republican so my book is available in hard copy paperback and kindle edition and you can get it through the main uh online portals like amazon or barnes and nobles or itunes or google play so okay. it's uh, readily available why i wrote it well the first reason why i wrote it is uh for the legacy, for my legacy, for my family, so that my grandkids will have an understanding of what I was all about. Her grandfather, I have two granddaughters. The second reason is that I think the, uh, the, 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 the story, the uh, parts one through four, the book has five parts. So part, parts one through four are my life story my life in Cuba uh, before Castro, my life in Cuba after Castro, my life in the United States, and then retirement and lessons learned. So it's a story of a refugee or any immigrant that comes to uh, a country like the United States, and uh, they have to learn a new language and they have to embrace a different culture. In this case, the Anglo-Saxon uh, culture and the uh, the battles that and the challenges that we had to face, as well as the victories in the greatest country in the world, the beacon of freedom and liberty. So, uh you know parts one through four na- i narrate the struggles but in the land of opportunity so it's uh it's a happy ending uh at the end of that and then part five has 63 articles that i have written on all subjects uh ranging from politics to civil rights to hispanics to cuban americans to philosophy to religion but as the subtitle uh, indicates, there are multiple uh, articles where the readers will understand why I was uh, why I made the the, uh, the transformation from a Democrat to a Republican, which is a very hot ticket item in the twenty twenty four presidential election. There's been a tsunami an exodus of Hispanics. Changing
0: their political affiliation from the Democratic Party to the Republican, and that's uh, and that's the part that uh, part of that is what we're going to be talking about tonight as we deal with some of the issues. I I, I thought it was interesting in your book that one one of those uh, reasons that you changed or one of the things that got you to go from Democrat to Republican was the incident. Uh, of the little boy in, in the raft, you know, uh, back in it's almost what, 25 years ago, whatever it was, uh, the little boy Gonzalez, who who was picked up uh, on, on 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 the raft and then was in Miami and then eventually was returned to Cuba. I thought that was uh, for many Cubans like ourselves, that was a, a real turning point, I thought. And, and because it almost brought back the Cuban experience uh, to many of us, I thought of another interesting point that you made in your book was when how you really maybe the, the last straw in your case was when President uh, Obama opened up Cuba without getting anything back. I mean, it was basically, you know, we're going to open the embassy. We're going to go, you know, we're going to be everything will be normal and we're not expecting you to give up anything. And that was such an insult, I think, to not just to you and me living up here, but I think to political prisoners and people in Cuba, Jorge.
1: Oh, absolutely. Uh, That was the the opening up of a U.S. embassy in Havana by President Obama with the assistance of this uh, Argentine uh, liberal pope. Francis uh, was the last straw for for me, because I think uh, the human rights uh, dissidents in Cuba, like Oswaldo Paya, like Oscar Beset, uh, were given, for example, uh, exceedingly long prison sentences just for wanting a change. I mean. Uh, Cuba has had a one-party government for 64 years, so it is not unreasonable uh, to for uh, some Cuban uh, civil rights dissidents to ask for a change. Right. And after all, that's what Obama was all about. Right. Obama's uh, motto uh, uh, was
0: uh, hope and change. That's right. So right. That's exactly right, and and that was his whole motto: hope and change. Well, yeah. that did not happen in Cuba. So rather uh, than reaching
1: out to the, uh, the the human rights distance, he ignored them right. completely. And uh, and I thought that was unreasonable. And by the way, you know, I mentioned Oswaldo Paya. Oswaldo Paya uh, was uh, died under very suspicious circumstances uh, in Cuba he was a, a civil rights champion that
0: wanted democratic change for his country that's right that's right but anyway so we recommend the book i think you you get to see this development of a political not 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 necessarily from party to party but an under an understanding of why you know you are now uh, a republican well let's talk about 2024 2024 that's the year of this election and it looks by all accounts, if you look at all the polling data and if you look at what the experts, so-called experts are saying, that the the stars are, you know, for President Trump or for President Trump to return to the White House. The stars are aligning for him to do that. And I have two reasons, or I believe there are two reasons why that's happening. Uh, the first one is that when you compare the Trump presidency to the Biden presidency, Trump looks better all the time. I mean, the results are there, whether it's uh, inflation, the cost of living, I mean, the border, the world situation. I mean, clearly there is a tangible difference between uh, the results that we were getting under President Trump and the results that we are getting now. So I think that's a big factor. People are looking at the comparison and they're going, you know, we were better off before. I think it was the CEO of a major bank who just said this in the last couple of days. I I don't remember his name right now, but who basically told the Democrats, look, you know, Trump got it right when it came to NATO. He got it right when it came to immigration, and he gave us a pretty good economy. So I think results are driving that first part. The second uh, reason why I believe, Jorge, that the stars are aligning for him is that I think the Democrats made a big blunder in overdoing this litigation thing. Uh, had they simply focused on one thing, maybe the documents or one, but it seems like every Democrat wanted to sue Trump. And you know, it, it's like if it's on Monday, it's this one; if it's on Tuesday, is this one. And pretty soon, you get to the point you can't even keep track of all of the cases that are that are against them. And I think they've overkilled; they overreached, as they say. And I think a lot of Americans. I'll 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 finish, and then I'll give you a chance in a second. But I have a friend of mine who goes. He and I go back to high school. He and I were always in different political corners. He was a Democrat. I'm a Republican. And uh, he said something to me a few weeks ago. He says, "You know, I I would rather defeat I would rather defeat Trump in the ballot box. I don't want to destroy the country in order to destroy Trump." And I think a lot of Americans are sensing that the Democrats want to destroy the country, destroy our traditions, just to get Trump. And I think it's backfiring on them. So forgive me for my long uh, presentation there, but that's kind of how I see it. Uh, The economy was better, and the litigation has been a lot of overreach, Jorge. I think that the Democrats
1: have tried very, very hard to invoke a clause of the 14th Amendment uh, to deny uh, Donald Trump to be re-elected to a second term. And they're using this clause in the 14th Amendment because they allege that the January 6th riots were an insurrection. Uh, And, you know, the the, the vast majority of Americans realize that A, uh, uh, Trump has never been charged with an insurrection. Uh, There were no casualties from the protesters uh, on January sixth, as a matter of fact, the only casualty was a protester that was killed by a Capitol police officer. So they they see the, uh, uh, the the bogus claims that the Democrats are making, and even more damaging to them, what they are trying to do is prevent the voters. From electing their candidate of choice at the ballot box, and they're using the courts, and uh, and that is unconstitutional. I think that it's just a matter of time before uh, the Supreme Court justices uh, uh, have a, a ruling. Uh, to undo the uh, the issue in Colorado, to keep uh, uh, Trump out of the uh, out of the primaries, uh, it's just in my opinion, it's just a matter of whether the decision is going to be nine zero or seven to two. But I think that it's just a matter of time before they put an end to that. And once they put an end to that, they're going to put an end to all the other. Uh, uh states that are looking carefully at what's happening in Colorado to follow suit so um uh, so that's that so the, the first point that you made that uh the uh, the the country was better off when uh Trump uh was in the white house than under Biden under the Bidenomics uh policies it's a matter of fact i mean they uh, uh biden when he can uh say uh when he can make some pronouncements that make any sense uh they, they they don't resonate with the uh with the american uh with Americans because they you know all they have to do is when they go to the supermarket when they when they go to the gas station to put uh uh, to fill up the tank of their car or their cars uh when they try to uh refinance their house or buy a new house i mean these are things that uh you know you can you, you can't you can't fake the funk they 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 see the the negative impact that they have that these things have on their salaries and so you know you have uh african-american uh uh, radio hosts like uh, this guy—I think his name is Charlemagne—and Charlemagne uh, said on his radio show not too long ago that uh, that he was really sorry that he asked his uh, his listeners to vote for the Biden uh, uh, Harris
0: tickets right.
1: because he, they have not delivered.
0: Right. He also said something. If I may just jump in for a second, he also said something today or yesterday that the democrats are really going to pay for the chaotic immigration situation that we're seeing on the border in chicago and new york it's just purely chaotic it's not really immigration it's chaotic immigration and uh, they've created a lot of problems i just read that the hospitals in denver are like used up because so many uh, of the migrants are using the hospital services the same is happening in arizona and for you and I, this is an interesting point because you and I came to the United States. Uh, we know we're know we both immigrants, even though we're U.S. citizens now, but we're technically immigrants. And But when the Cubans came, and migrants historically have come here in a very orderly fashion. So, yes, you come in, but you don't have this rush. I know there was the incident of Mariel in April of 1980, but that was a small part of the whole uh, Cuban immigration. But you have you cannot bring ing- immigrants like that, eight million at one time. It's just not doable. Your resources, your infrastructure is not going to absorb it. And you're seeing it in Chicago and New York and Denver and other places. And according to this radio host that you were talking about, Charmellane, I think it's his name, he was saying this is gonna the Democrats are gonna get punished a lot for this immigration chaos, Jorge. Absolutely. And you know, it, it's it's funny that you have uh,
1: democratic uh, mayors of democratically uh, run cities like uh, New York City and Chicago that they uh, that they made their cities sanctuaries cities, preventing the federal law enforcement personnel from uh, vetting the illegal immigrants. And they thought that this was very humane. And by the way, you know, I have to also emphasize that the uh, the Catholic, uh, most Catholic uh, churches, through their Catholic charities, are also helping out uh, with uh, the legal uh, immigrants, giving them uh, all kinds of help. And uh, and now they realize that uh, this was a big mistake that they cannot uh, their budgets cannot uh, tolerate the uh, the
0: expense of all this uh, massive uh, influx of people. That's right. you just simply cannot handle six or seven million people coming into your country and not just in a chaotic way, but more than that, they're, they're coming in entirely different than you and I came in. When you and I came in, Uh, I'm sure it was the same way with your father. Your father could work within a couple of days that we were in because we were coming in under a process that gave us the opportunity to be here legally. And, you know, my father could work the next day or the day after he had the papers to do that. But now we're bringing in people on 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 the basis that they're going to meet with a judge in five years and six years or whatever the time is. What are these people going to do for for the time they're waiting for the judge. Well, I guess they're going to have to work under the table. They're going to have to depend on public services. And that's not smart, Jorge. That is simply not fair on not just the legal immigrants, but also the citizens of the country who obviously have limited resources, Jorge.
1: Not only that, but, you know, getting back to uh, why... Why we think that President uh, that that Donald Trump has a great uh, probability of getting elected to a second term? There's no American citizen is going to tolerate that their tax revenues are going to give preferential treatment to illegal immigrants over the legal citizens. Of this country. So, when you have a school where they have sent the students to work, I mean, they have sent the students to study online at their homes so that the school can be used as a haven to house the illegal
0: immigrants, that doesn't go too well. No, that doesn't go well at all. In fact, that was a disaster politically uh, for whoever made that call. Uh, in New York and but the even though it was only a one day thing, I think they went back to to school the next day. It was just the whole thing was so poorly so poorly managed. Well, let me get to another point because the time is flying and that is the Hispanic vote. Uh, you mentioned uh, that the support for President Trump among Hispanics is increasing. I think that it's because of results what I mentioned before about the quality of life, particularly what's happening on on the border. So that's why I think it's increasing. Why why do you think it's increasing, Jorge?
1: Well, I think that the uh, Republican Party shares a lot of the values that Hispanics have. I mean, the values of faith, family, freedom, and work. Uh, Today's Democrats shy away from those principles. For example, today's Democrats have no use or, well, let let me rephrase that so I don't get in trouble. Uh, Today's Democrats uh, have, uh, we have seen the FBI uh, try to uh, infiltrate uh, Catholic ch- uh, church in Richmond, Virginia, because they think that traditionalist uh, Catholics, those who uh, those who listen to the traditional mass in Latin, could be troublemakers. So Hispanics as a whole, you know, are very religious and, and in particular, the Catholic uh, religion, uh, is probably uh, the number one uh, religion in uh, Hispanic country. So the fact that the Democrats are going after Catholics, that means that, hey, they're not going to stay with the Democrats. The fact that the, re- w- the main reasons why these uh, Hispanic immigrants have fled their country is because they don't feel secure. Right. And the Democrats are trying to defund the police, which makes their cities less safe. So right. that's another reason
0: why. Right. Well, and, and, and you remember when we had those riots back in the summer of 2020, many of the businesses that were burned down in, in whether it was Chicago, Minneapolis or wherever, were actually Hispanic owned businesses. Um, I mean, there was a huge uproar in Chicago where several of the of the city council Hispanic city council members in Chicago were furious because they were saying you know you're burning down our businesses or you're tolerating burning down our businesses uh, and you're discouraging people from investing in our communities when you tolerate uh, that kind of of criminal behavior so you're exactly right about the the, the insecurity and I also think that's another issue that is going to hurt the Democrats. This whole question of insecurity, uh, what's happening in these major cities, um, you know, it's just absolutely, uh, you have situations right now. And I'll just give you another quick example. Um, most of the Border Patrol agents that we have down here on the border are actually Hispanics. Most of them are Mexican American Hispanics who've lived in that area for a long time. And you remember a few months back or about a year ago, when those Border Patrol agents on horses were being accused of whipping immigrants, when in fact they didn't do that. The film clearly showed that they didn't do that. Uh, So, you know, I I, I just think that there's this tendency to go after law enforcement, not realizing how important and how proud the community is of the men and women who wear the uniform, Jorge. Well, and that incident with the uh, border patrol agents that uh,
1: the Biden administration accused of uh, uh, using their whips against the, uh, the immigrants, as you indicated, was false. And the fake news media did not issue an apology Neither did neither did the uh, the Biden administration. The other thing is that the Democrats are trying to mess with the Spanish language, so they want to change our uh, words to something like Latin X. Right? Hey, please don't even try it, because uh, we're very proud to call ourselves Latinos and Latinas, Hispanos and hispanas right and anyone yeah who thinks that they can use the latin x
0: is out of his mind that's right that's right yeah because can stay away from that that's not a good way of making friends uh in the hispanic uh community well jorge we're just about out of time and i want to thank you so much for for sharing your thoughts we'll do it again it's going to be a long campaign so maybe uh, in a few months we'll we'll take stock again of where we are But show me that book again so that people can can see that book. And uh, we recommend the book and uh, check it out. And uh, you're going to learn not just a little bit about Jorge and his his life coming to the United States, but his uh, his political thinking, his political thinking uh, over the years. So uh, Jorge, okay, I see it right now. (laughs) Okay, very good. You know, you you, you want to show a little bit of you and a little bit of the book so that people can. (laughs) There you go. There you go. That's good. That's good. That's a good shot. Take a take a shot of that and show it to your wife (laughs) (laughs) of that uh, of that photo. But I want to thank you so much for sharing your time with us tonight. And it's always a great pleasure to say hello to you and to hear your thoughts. And uh, we will do it again. We will do it again. uh sometime down the road Jorge and good luck with the book. Thank you, Silvio. All right. Our good friend uh Jorge Ponce, uh Jorge um uh, has been a friend of our show for my goodness, over 10 years. And we've done a few broadcasts over the over the years. And uh you know he will be one of the many voices that uh, we will hear uh in 2024 uh talking about this election and especially this conversation about the Hispanic vote uh, how the Hispanic vote uh, could very well be a big factor in, uh, in the election of, uh, or or I, I guess not election, this would almost be like his return to the White House. That's uh, more or less, uh, I guess that's what they call it, because he was already elected, so this wouldn't be an election. This would be more like a return uh, to the White House uh, in 2024. Thank you for listening. This is uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, and we'll talk to you later. Have a great weekend, everybody.